The witch's cackle burns the eye that sees the danger you are in. Sometimes we're wrong, but we want to prove that we are right, so we begin. Watch out, there's a sword and it's coming for your neck. In this battle for salvation, in this battle for salvation. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 25 of the Battle for Salvation Warhammer Underworlds podcast. This is Max Bernstein. I'm Randall Slate. And with us today, uh, kind of a local guy, but kind of a man of the world, we have on the program Gerard, the Professor Pedro. Gerard, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, Don, for having me here. We have an Ooh, international I'm... guest that lives for... in our area. Yeah, exactly. He's just... We just see him all the time. Um, we're going to talk about Hrothgorn's Man Trappers today with you because we've all been either playing them or playing against them a lot lately. So uh, so lots of experience. Uh, but before we get started, we just want to talk about the tournaments that are coming up uh, in uh, West Hartford, Connecticut at, uh, let's see, Sunday, March 26th is the West Hartford Clash. That is at the GW Sora over there. That is championship format. Um, I believe that there is a uh, code on the line. Uh, you going to that one, Gerard? I'm still debating. We'll see. Still debating? Yeah. Randall? Yeah. All right. Cool. So that's the next one coming up. Um, we also have, of course, Adepticon is uh, hopefully still on March 25th yeah. through 29th. Um, and if it is, then I hope you all go to that. Uh, Randall's on his way. I am definitely not. People, um, wash your hands. Yes, wash your hands, everybody, please. Um, Atlanta, Georgia at the Gigabytes Cafe on April 4th is a grand skirmish down there with the Crit Def guys. Uh, it is a, I, I, I talked to Matt. He says that it is a full skirmish payout and there's also a master's code available. So uh, great event going on there. Um, up in uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, we have the Warhammer Underworld's Alberta Grand Clash, which is an official Grand Clash that will be on April 18th and 19th at the Ogre's Den Gaming Club. And uh, there will also be in Peekskill, New York at the Rift uh, on April 4th. Uh, there will be a, just a tournament that I'm running there. And the Portal, Manchester, Connecticut, Sunday, April 26th. That is Chris Spark up there in Manchester, Connecticut. And that is also championship format. Uh, so those are all the tournaments. Go. <clears throat> I'm ready. So those are all the formats. Uh, all the formats. Those are all the tournaments coming up. But before we get started, we just forgot last week to shout out Miniature Fighting Club. Um, if you guys out there have not seen Miniature Fighting Club yet, it is bananas. It is shot in beautiful 4K. It is the production value is off the chain. It's nuts. So if you get a chance to go see that, they have three full uh, episodes up. They're just battle reports that are just amazingly well put together. And everybody's been talking about them. And we just want to say that we see you guys too up there. Uh, also Canadians, I think they said that they were in Ontario or Toronto or something. I think they're in Toronto. Um, but thank you guys for putting that up. We appreciate that. All right. Stuff, yeah. So Gerard. Hi. How you doing, man? 
It's good. It's good. We're still, um, you know, the coronavirus is not in Connecticut yet, so we're still uh, hanging out. Mm. We'll, well see how long that lasts. I, I, I'm going to assume not long because they definitely have it near me. Um, anyway, on another note, uh, we typically, when we have uh, new guests who haven't been on the show before, we ask them some biography questions so that our listeners can kind of know uh, how you're coming to the game and like what you, uh, you know, how you're connected to it. Uh, so we're going to ask you these questions. Hey, uh, Gerard, how'd you get into this game in the first place? So I was um, I was in London at that point in London, you know, UK, mm-hmm. and I had been playing um, War Machine for quite a while because, you know, Games Workshop in the two thousands was pretty dreadful. So many people were you know moved into War Machine, but then what happened is you know I had two kids in two years, and when I went back into the gaming night to play War Machine, I literally just couldn't keep up. Like the game exploded in complexity. In fact, it's almost kind of dying. I think because of that. And in the corner of my eye, you know, in one corner of the game, of the gaming club, you started seeing like a couple of tables with people playing this new little thing. Um, and you know, you move over and you look at this. Oh, this is pretty awesome. You know, five miniatures aside, a lot of bloodbath. The game done in like twenty-five minutes. That literally seemed like the doctor ordered at that point. You know, I wasn't sleeping that much. You know, with small kids. So I just bought the first box and then, you know, the Orcs and Skeletons, which were the first two expansions that came out and like never looked back. I really love the game. It's a tight rule set. It's just really great. I love it. It's perfectly perfect for what I need right now uh, in my life to get into game night and play four games easy. Yeah. Uh, within like an hour and a half or two, it's just great. Yeah. Yeah, and and we met you um, when you came to the the first Battle for Salvation uh, tournament kit, uh, the a kit tournament. Yeah, yeah and uh, it had been more than a year ago, right? Yeah, it had to have been. And uh, you were playing Skeletons, I think, at the time, but it was like Night Vault season because I think like yeah. Godsborn had just come out and Malag had just come out. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a tournament. Yeah. All right, but but you've played in other metas, right? So you played in yeah, London yeah. So I, at I the played, beginning. Uh, I played but, in London. Um, for again the entire first season. In fact, I wanted to give like a shout out to people like Laura Bates and Jack Gladwell and Simon Rizicki. And even then, you know, John Rees was starting to terrorize the local meta. Uh, yeah, already, and, right? Uh, and from the yeah, from from the beginning. And this was the truth is, I probably wouldn't be in the game if these guys weren't so awesome. Like it was just a nice little meta in Dark Sphere. You know, there was this shop where we would meet, and it was just really great. Like people supporting each other and learning things as the game was going. Yeah, the first season was very nice to explore the game. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great people. Cool. Um, and then, I, then actually, that summer I moved to Barcelona because that's where I'm from. It's my family, so we were there for two months. And I learned that also in Barcelona there was a huge, you know, community of people. In fact, it's a bit of a shame. We need to organize a grand skirmish or, or a grand class there because there's, there's an enormous amount of people, and it's nice because it's a very densely packed place. So when there's a tournament, easily 24 people show up. You know. Nice. Nice. Like on weekly tournaments, so it's it's uh, it's nice. It's very dense. For some reason, they really like to play best of one tournaments as opposed to best of three. Yeah. But besides that, it's uh, it's uh, again very nice group of people. There's Nico, there's Roger, just very nice. Yeah, well, best of one's more social, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I think that's part of the reason, and also people like to get it done like in an afternoon. Yeah. So then, like in four hours, you can play like a, you know four games of best of one or even five, and then they call it a day. You know. Sure. Cool, and then and then you came uh, here to the northeast. And then I came here to the northeast, and um, and I've been playing kind of with you guys, you know, for the last year or so. Yeah, there's see you around. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah it's like every time you know I, I go to a tournament, I see you there. I'm like, all right, Gerard's here. I'm like, oh damn, Gerard's here. 
Yeah, we we always meet in the second round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we meet in the second round. One of us is always upset afterwards. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, that happens a lot. Um, okay, uh, what's your favorite Underworlds faction to play all the time? Oh, so it actually keeps. T- so the first season I played orcs for the entire first season. I didn't even keep up when Mag- when Magor came out. Yeah. Um, and then I moved to the Naked Dwarves, or whatever, what's, what are they actually called? The Fire Slayers. Fire Slayers, yeah. And then I've been playing a smattering of things for about like two months at a time, I would say. Right? So I had, I had, a, I went back and I had that skeleton drive. That's when I showed up here in Yeah, I remember that. Yep. And then I played a little bit of, um, I, played, I played Moloch for like about a month. I played Godsworn actually quite intensely. I went to a grand clash with Gosh. With that's actually. right. That's right. We'll talk about that in a second. And then uh, some some Caradron, exactly. And then I really liked the Banshees when they came out in uh, with Dread Thing. Yep. So I played those for a while, but then you know it also became boring at some point. And now and now, yeah. So then I've been playing um, the Ogre quite a bit for the last month and a half or so. Yeah. yeah you I super didn't answer my question, easy. man. Come on, I want to know your favorite one to play all time. Pick all one. Time. So, so this must be, um, it, it must be Godsworn. Godsworn. All right. It's, uh, cool. it, it, it was, yeah. They're, they're a lot of fun to play and you had some decent success, uh, success with them. Um, so, uh, speaking of which, t- talk about that. Your best finish at a grand clash. Cause you've been to a few. I've been to a few, I've been to five actually. Um, there you go. So I think the best, the best one must be the one in the London GT. I think it was six there. So okay. if you had asked me, if you had asked me before January, I would have uh, proudly told you that you know I had been four times in a, one of these large grand classes and I had been always between twelve and six. So that was nice. That's pretty. And good. of course, I won in January, got paired twice against Grimwatch, ended up with a pathetic to two, basically almost as vast as uh, Michael Carlin. So that's basically very sad. There you go. So now, right. <laughs> so now, so now it's it's very sad. But, but you've made that, but you've made cuts. I mean, you know, you were in I the mean, first I, I, grand I, clash I mean, yeah, where there was a cut, and you made it with Godsworn. Yes, that was so nice, that's actually. so that I think that's an accomplishment right there. That was that, that was that was a fun, a really fun grand clash actually. Yeah. Right? I think basically Tom Bond and John Rees also made it mm-hmm. made the cut with Godsworn. Right. When basically nobody gave a damn about this war, and it was actually fun. Yeah. Who who ended up winning that one? Was that the Jay Clare one or? No, no, that one was won by uh, a Molog that liked to rip. Tom. Oh, Neil Snowball Hill with the yeah. uh, with the Molog, right? Yeah. The yeah, that, the, yeah, the tome reading Molog. That's right. Okay, cool. Um, and and uh, how much glass do you have? I mean, I had to go to the basement to to figure out. I I have uh, five glasses. There you go. And and what factions did you win them with? I think basically, so it will, so with orcs, with uh, yep. naked dwarfs, with Moloch, with the Caradrons, and one with Banshees. So, All right. Oh, so so a different one every time. Yeah, because again, you know, yeah, this thing you you tend to kind of retire things when when you do well with them. Right? So. Yeah, I did that after after I won a bunch with Magor back in the beginning. I, I basically have been switching. I, I every time I I win with one, I I put it down and I try something else. Incidentally, that's why. That's what keeps me interested in the game, to be honest, is that this is a game that is very easy to move from one. Yeah, there's a lot of options. So right. it's, it's very nice. Yeah. And anybody keeping up with uh, with the expansions is going to have those things lying around. So you just have to, exactly. uh, you know. At some point, say, oh, wouldn't it be nice? Let me try yeah. this thing now. Yeah. Exactly. Just put the, put these guys down, pick those guys up. You're ready to go. All right, cool. So uh, are we ready to start talking about the 
uh, the, the subject of our episode talking about the man trappers. Absolutely. Nice. All right, let's get going. Um, so to get started, we're going to start uh, talking about the fighter cards and what they have. Um, we're going to, of course, start with the big guy, and that's Rothkorn, the ogre. He is enormous. He is six wounds. He has uh, both range and melee attacks. Um, so it's pretty crazy. So let's see. Uh, he starts off uninspired. He's got uh, a three-range trap launcher with uh, two swords and two damage to start, which is a lot. Um, a melee attack, that's two hammers and three damage to start. But he, but the thing about him that's really scary is that he moves four. Like, he's yeah. fast. That's why um, I'm look. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and when he's inspired, his uh, accuracy gets higher and his defense gets higher. So he goes up to three dice and he goes up to two, just gets more dice, two, two on defense as well. Um, and of course, when he is launching his trap, it says the trap launcher reaction after this attack action. If it, if it succeeded, push the target up to one hex closer to this fighter. So, uh, you know, you can drag them through a, a lethal hex. You can, um, <clears throat> reposition for maybe Thrafnir is going to is nearby or something like that. <clears throat> so there's a lot of stuff you can kind of do with that. Um, and, yeah. and when he inspires the pushes two hexes. So that actually, Oh, and it goes up to two hexes. Jeez. There you go. And of course, the other thing about Hrothkorn is that when he is on the field, every enemy fighter is a quarry. That opens a ton of stuff. Yeah. Now, am I reading that right? Also, it's he has to be on the field for yes, the enemy to it's, it's an ability. It's an ability right. of the fighter. So it's only it's only life when he is live. Yeah. Right. So what that means is like if you have like trophy belt or something like that, and Frothcorn's oh, yeah. dead, and you drop trophy belt oh, and put it on anymore. Thrafnir, it doesn't work. The same not anymore. anymore. Right. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's a good thing to know. All right. And then of course we got uh, who Aman has called Thick Kitty. And um, we can just call him Thick Kitty, Thrafnir. Uh, he is, oh man, Grawl's looking at this guy and peeing his pants. Because <laughs> this thing is something. Um, I've also seen a lot of people online uh, painting this guy like Red 13 from Final Fantasy VII. And you guys have my heart. Tienes mi corazón. Um, so it's, he's, because uh, I love Final Fantasy VII. It's like my favorite. It's like my favorite video game of all time. Anyway, um, he has a melee attack, one range, three uh, three dice on, hitting on swords, two damage. He's a five speed, two dodge, three wound fighter. Um, of course, he is an he is an animal, so that he can't hold any upgrades or hold uh, objectives or anything like that. No uh, attack action upgrades. No attacks, yeah. Right, or and can't hold objectives. When he's inspired, picks up cleave, and gets re rolls on offense. You can re roll one die in the attack roll. Uh, so basically, when he's inspired, you get cleave and awaken weapon, which is so pretty good. And he's got a very long range, which is nice. And then, of course, we got our little knoblars over here who are all something, I guess. Uh, let's get started with Luggett and Thwack, our first, uh, you know, fighter sitting on top of another fighter fighter. The first piggybacking fighter. Your first pig piggybacking. I, I haven't seen that yet. 
Um, so who's lug lugged? I guess is the guy on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, because he's lugging right because he's lugging thwack around and thwack is thwacking at things. Yeah, Yeah. they named him that on purpose. I know they were born years ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I don't know. I don't know know what that means, man. Okay, Randall. You got it, man. Was already piggybacking the gut out of yeah when he was uh, a baby goblin. His mom was like, "I don't really want to think about that." Yeah. When he was a baby goblin, his mom was like, "This, this, this baby is going to be riding on top of another goblin." Oh so man, I'm gonna so call him mean... the whack. Luggett's just had like knobbler balls on his back all his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bad. Okay, so Luggett and Thwack, n- not the best at a lot of text fighting. here. A lot of text. Let's talk about this. So uh, he, they have a one range attack on. One hammer for one damage, so they're basically a crappy chain rasp. Uh, they have a three move, one dodge, three wounds, and they have a beaten club. Yeah, so if they don't have wounds or up to two wounds, yeah, in fact, um, or up to one wound, I think. The, yeah, one, it's, it's one actually, or none. It's a two hammer attack, so it's not, you know, it's, it's yeah, decent. It's not terrible, but they only just one damage. That is true. Uh, yeah. But you know, sometimes that's what you need, right? And they and they have they have a reaction uh, after this attack action. If there are fewer successes in the attack roll than the defense roll, push the target one hex. Yeah, so, so I thought this man, this guy pushes you anyway because <clears throat> he can either drive you back or do the push. Except, of course, he could roll no successes, and the defense, the defender could roll no successes either. And if they tie, then the rule doesn't apply. So right. Yeah, it wouldn't work in that case. It has to be fewer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, when they're inspired, they switch to Furies. Yeah, so they yeah, so they and go to three Fury basically, and three they get three. a little and they get a little faster. Mm-hmm. They go to four. Yeah, like it, not like it, run faster. Not much. Okay. Uh, so, that, Quiv, so if you don't have any wounds, it ends up being a three dice on swords for one damage. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, you know, the bats do that, I guess. All right. Um, Quiv, another Noblar, um, has an attack, uh, one range attack, two furies, one damage. Uh, same bottom line as Luggan and Thwack, only, only two wounds. And it says here that Quiv, while, while this fighter is adjacent to a friendly Hrothgorn, you can reroll one attack dice in attack rolls for this fighter's trap launcher action. So if Quiv is sitting next to Hrothgorn when Hrothgorn shoots, you get a reroll on one of the dice. It's something. I guess. Is that super worth it? Where you guys were like trying to manufacture that or were you ignoring that completely? I would recommend you you shouldn't go out of your way to try to make this work. Right. Just like if you get lucky, you get lucky. All right. Uh, When Quiv gets inspired... Uh, picks up uh, one dice on attacks, gets a little bit more accurate and a little faster and a little bit more defense to get an extra defense dice. Yeah, but otherwise, that's basically the, the, same. the two defense, the two defense rolls become you know, then sometimes you roll a crit, you know. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Hmm. All right, then we got Bushwhacker, and Bushwhacker has a crappy attack, but we're not really dealing with him for the attack anyway. Um, but his attack is uh, one range, one dice hitting on swords, one damage, uh, three movement, 
two one dodge on defense and two wounds and not much changes when they when he's inspired so he gets an extra die on attack and defense but it's still on dodges and swords and he gets a little faster goes up to four but that's not why we care about this guy and ooh, hold on a lot of text here let me let me zoom in uh reaction for bushwhacker and we got to talk about this a little bit because there's a little bit of nuance to this um, after an activation, if there is no friendly trap model on the battlefield and this fighter has no charge tokens, place a friendly trap model in any adjacent empty hex and give this fighter a charge token. If another fighter moves into, is pushed into, or is placed in the trap hex, the traps hex, that fighter is dealt two damage and the trap is removed. So you can run bushwhacker in and drop a trap somewhere or you can drop a trap at just the end of anybody else's way. activation that's the nice thing so this is like inspiring snark it's the same window uh oh it's just after any activation exactly. yeah, just after anybody's okay. activation <clears throat> yeah there are oh, a couple so. of things that are worth noting in this in this ability the first one is this one right you can react to the end of any activation okay Meaning, for instance, by the way, that you could drop a trap to stop a wolf biting somebody. Oh. It's the same window. Right? It is the same window, and you'd be on defense. Okay, exactly. yeah, that's right. So, so that's one. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying that you should do that, but it's something you can do. Right? But you could just do that to not get bitten. Okay, that's Yeah, so that's yeah. something you could do. Um, the second one is that you drop this trap, and this trap, even though it has the exact same rule as a lethal hex, it actually somehow manages to bite ghosts. Yes. So that's sweet. You know, when right. you're fighting because... banshees or uh, or uh, whatever, and flying blankets of any type, this right. thing actually gets them. So it's like I feel a you on that. Yeah. I didn't notice that, but that's true because the banshees and the chain rasps don't say anything about uh, a trap on the floor. They just talk about lethal hexes. Exactly. This is not considered a lethal hex. Okay. So that's Keep going. Uh, that's a sweet one, um, and but but still, I think you already touched into what will be the typical use of this. You move in, react to your own move, drop the thing next door to somebody, basically. Right, and then and ideally push them in. Yeah, I I that's what I was gonna say. Ideally, you want to have distraction or or uh, what is the one? What's the new one? Nightmare in the Shadows. Exactly, and, or even and center of attention. Center, yeah, right, exactly. That's the and ideal just, you way. The mo the, there's a lot of different ways you can use this, but the most ideal way is to have, you know, it's your activation, and you have Bushwhack a move somewhere, and then after you know you react to his action and put down the trap where you need where it needs to go, and then you play a card like a uh, center of attention or distraction and push the guy directly into it. Boom! Two wounds, no that's life the best roll, way to do nothing. It. There, there are right. other things you can do, but the almost any other way you use it, it can. It, you're, you're leaving a. Uh, there's some sort of window where your opponent can react to it. Um, yes, because when it's when you do it the way I said before, um, <clears throat> unless your opponent has like a reaction to you moving, <coughs> they can't get out of it because it's your. You have the priority in the power phase, so. You know, if somebody if if somebody moves in, and you try to you know drop the trap as a reaction, then they have a, a power step they can do something about it. Yeah, and sometimes I try to become uh, try to be too smart, 
Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you, you do it in the other that... person's turn to try to inspire Crossgorn, and that it's typically a very bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't yeah, just... the last thing. Yeah. Sorry. Go, go ahead, Rando. And you also you you have to push them into it somehow. You you, you can't just put it right under them. Under them, oh. yeah. Yeah. The also the other thing is um <clears throat> it's pretty confusing because like really I think this mechanic should have had a token instead of like an actual model to represent it, but I think they just felt like making it a model for like the coolness factor. Something cool, absolutely. Yeah. But like yeah, it's not a model, so you have to it's, it's so the, weird how for it instance, works. The hex is still empty. That's a good example. Yeah. yeah. So the hex is still empty. It's not a fighter. So the hex is still empty. Yeah. Yeah. And there's um, um, some confusion, which I don't think we know the we, we need an FAQ about. There was one, I, I saw some people talking on uh, Facebook about this with um, what's the card where if it's a, a surge where if somebody if you kill someone with a card or with a yes. lethal hex. Yeah. Have you seen um, that? Oh, so uh, an about, yeah. yeah. Yes. So there's confusion about the ordering of the damage, right? Because you could drop this. I mean, then you're really playing in the sprinkler. You could drop the trap on a lethal hex. Yeah, yeah. Push yeah, a fighter yeah. into, into that it. hex. Yeah, and then three, which one three happens, wounds. yeah. But the question is, who does the actual killing? Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Um, there's two more quick things to note, finally, because this is actually a lot of a wall of text. The first one is, it's important to remember you need to put the charge token which means you get to do this once per phase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Sometimes. And the other one is that it needs to be another fighter, the one that that uh, triggers the trap. So, so Bushwhacker can't reason, step in his own trap. Exactly. For some reason, Bushwhacker gets pushed into the trap. He's actually fine. So he just stands on top of it? He can be there, yeah. Another sense. reason why it should be a token. Indeed. Yeah, but any of your guys or your opponents <laughs> get hurt by it. Right, then it's just not an enemy fighter. It's any fighter except him. Right, and um, and as we were alluding to before, you can put it on a lethal hex and stack the damage. Yeah, which is pretty sweet. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you also can't put another one down. Like once you put it down, you can't do another one until that one is then off the board. So if you put it down somewhere silly, you can't ever use it again until it goes away. Yeah. Right. Yep. So you got to be very careful about where you drop it. All right. So that sounds pretty good. Um, let's talk about this inspire condition. So uh, it's a snap inspire condition, which means that they uh, they all go inspired at once. Um, and all you have to do is kill something with Hrothgorn. No, no, you have to do it with Hrothgorn. No, no, no. No, it no, just has no. to be next to Hrothgorn so, when they yeah, die. An enemy has to die adjacent to Hrothgorn. So, so you, could, you could you could run in with Bushwaka, you right. could drop a trap next to Hawthorne, you could push a chain rasp. Right. And everyone's inspired. Or you can shoot with Hrothgorn, grab the guy and yoink him through a lethal hex. And yeah. if the lethal hex is next to Hrothgorn, yes, is, that would work. Then, okay, that sounds good. You can if Hrothgorn's sitting next to something and you yeah, encroach you in shadow or something, yeah. Right. Okay. So as long as the thing dies around Hrothgorn, no matter how it's done. Yes. Right. And when that happens, they all inspire all at once. Yep. All right. How, how important do you guys think it is, having played them a lot, to get them inspired? It's pretty important. Hugely. Yeah. 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 
enormous. So all of them become better, but Hrothgon actually becomes really... We don't have that many three-hammer attacks in the game. Three-hammer, three damage. Let's see, Amistan Guard does it. The, the, you have the Sepulchral Warden. Like There aren't that many. That's basically the top of a currency in this game. Yeah. In, you know, and, so. and damage. That's a very good attack. Exactly. So that's a very good attack. The two shields, as we know, yeah, have been played is, against, yeah, really against uh, Stormcast for three years now, are a big deal. So Hrothorn himself becomes way better. But basically the other guys, like Thrafnir becomes, you know, a, a homing missile at that point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. With Cliff and a reroll. And a reroll. Yeah, very you know, accurate. He turns then, into, yeah. yeah, I mean, he basically yeah. turns into like a rip tooth with a little bit of uh, like Gerzag flavor. It's nice. It's nice, yeah. Look at Antoine, who cares, you know, but the other two actually, the, the second dodge die makes a big difference as we know. It's like, you know. Yep. Oh, yeah. How... Yeah, it does. So, so very important. Yeah. If you can get Hrothgorn, if you can, you know, have Hrothgorn kill someone early, then it becomes way <clears> harder <throat> for your opponent to just kind of like come over and farm glory on the the Noblars. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Is Every is this attack on the Noblars is, is a pain in the neck? So. Right. Is is this like a you know a blazing soul situation? Oh, or I is... wouldn't leave. I wouldn't leave home without blazing soul for this warband. Absolutely. You would or you would Yeah, it's it's I a tough. Not. Yeah, it's interesting it's because yeah. you t you typically don't want to put. You know, uh, it's it's weird because like with Blazing Soul, you typically wouldn't want to put that on in a war band that has you know that inspires everybody at the same time. However, it's right. I th it's it's worth it to do on Hrothgorn and Malog, for example, because just that fighter is so exponentially better when it's inspired. Exactly. That you do it anyway. And, and let alone the fact that many times you could put Blazing Soul on him, even if what you're simply going to do immediately after is charge somebody and kill it, and therefore everybody else inspires. But just moving just to from two sure, hammers yeah. to... Yeah, from two hammers to three hammers, the change is huge. The probability just changes dramatically, right? So just even because of that, it's worth, it's worth it. Um, many times, it's just a card that you just drop because you're already inspired by the time you draw it. But you need the insurance, you know. All right, cool. Um, so let's move on. Um, we were talking the other day, and uh, we said that as far as what we can see so far, there seems to be like about three possible builds with these guys that are that are apparent. Um, and we said that the uh, that there is a passive objective destruction version, um, a full aggro version, and another one that involves uh, deck milling. Uh, so can we get started with this? Uh, Gerard, tell me about this passive idea with these guys, this objective destruction build with these guys. I think, I wonder if it might be better to start with the other one. Because, yeah, because I feel that the other one is what you take basically as insurance. So like the best thing, when you look at these guys' um, stats, right? The temptation, yeah. um, and it actually works to an extent is just well well let's get just go bananas you know you put accuracy here you put more wounds you put uh, you know spectral wings to be able to reach and just get in you know get in and okay. start killing stuff right and then yeah. you, your objectives are focused around killing multiple exactly. fighters so, and yeah and, and and when things work out it's awesome you know you are literally you are playing in the splinkers it's awesome right except okay. now you get into a tournament and you get to play Nurgle or Curse Breakers. 
or right. um, you know and then all of the sudden inspiring is going to be hard yeah right incidentally that's the reason why you shouldn't leave home without blazing soul okay um, yeah and killing if a lot running, of people it's yeah, gonna be hard. You, yeah, if you run into a small fighter warband, it's just going to be tough to get next to them. And yeah, exactly. also, they tend to be tankier and have more defense. Yeah, and maybe so, you stack damage to kill Nurgle, but they happen right. to roll two, two shields rather than one. Maybe you were counting on one, but they roll two. All of a sudden, you don't kill the, you know, the, the disgusting character. And, and if you uh, only have uh, three targets that's and you kill them, it's only three glory for that there's not a lot of opportunities to score things off of that exactly so the bottom line is if you thought if you're in a meta where everybody's playing green and thorns oh yeah go, not bad. go crazy you know go crazy put all this stuff brought to bay beasties lane you know triumphant hand all this stuff that rewards you for killing and just go bananas right however notice that when you if you do that when you draw one of these uh, three fighter tough fighters you're going to be you know it's going to be an uphill struggle okay so therefore the other paradigm is basically frankly buying insurance against this and you do that because these guys are actually very good at doing things like blowing up objectives and actually getting glory out of it yep um up to two glory right you could take scorched earth plus their own uh, how it's called arm of the everwinter right and the good thing about that is that blowing up objectives, it's not completely useless when you actually fight against ghouls and thorns either. No, definitely not. Yeah. So then that kind of hybrid, you know, it's still aggro, but very much aggro, you know, it's it's more of a control type of aggro. Um, it's I think it's more like the 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 virtuous middle ground here. A control you... type of aggro. Well, it's eh? similar right. to it's similar to the way thorns do it, where you have your chain rest move around in the back on the objectives, and then you have your everhanged and your briar queen that sort of put pressure exactly. on your opponent. So you the, you can play in a way with this warband where you have Hrothgorn and Thrafnir, you know, are attacking your opponent, forcing them to stay on their side of the board, not come on your side, and then you have these three sort of fast. Uh, you know, Noblars that can get onto the objectives and you can score things like Path to Victory and stuff like that. And actually get glory, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess we're going to talk about this. You can this, take that approach when you when you make a deck for this Warband. Yeah, and there are a few upgrades that in fact make these guys way more efficient. Sure. So you actually want this, you want to be able to farm glory not necessarily linked to kills, that's the thing. Okay, and we'll talk about those cards in a minute. Um, you also had an idea about a deck milling kind of yeah, version so of these guys. Maybe there's a way of mixing this with the other two, but these guys have, I guess we'll discuss this. There's this amazing card called Veteran Hunter, which is an upgrade that you can put on any nobler or on, or on the ogre himself, and you take an action and you actually draw two cards. So that's literally double the rate of what you would do in an activation if you're just drawing a card from your power deck. Um, and I feel, uh, you know, this is a card that, you know, we would be, we would love to have it in many other warbands, right? So there must, uh, you know, I haven't been able to is... actually make one work, but there, I feel that there's a, there's a deck here. Well, yeah, the, there's there also a, a uh, hold on, hold on. There's also a universal uh, objective that 
uh, exactly. You you score when you have no power cards left in your deck. That's very important in this in this archetype. I exactly. forgot what it's so called. It's called uh, to the end. I to think. The end. Yeah. So yeah. that's two glory. Yeah. Um, there is another for one glory, which is you get one glory if you have drawn four cards in this phase. Yeah. Right. Which I don't remember how it's called, but so that's that would already be three uh, glory that are passive. Let me look for it. Is it faction specific? No, no. This is a it's generic universal. One. Yeah. It's a universal where you drew four cards. Yes. If you've drawn they... four cards in one action phase, yeah. And then there's also the the faction specific surge where if you play three Exactly. Uh, so there's Yeah, Gambit three or it was play three cards. power cards in one phase, yeah. So that might combine I think that combines into that might be another way maybe of getting the passive glory that you could get otherwise by blowing up objectives. Another way you could get by right, right. Instead of taking yeah. those other ones, yeah, you could do that. So, so yeah. I mean, that's but it. Also helps thing about you if, you if you want to do it that way too. Like, it, if you want to take the, if you want to do the objective destruction, drawing a whole bunch of cards gets you to those, that. Also those, helps yeah, absolutely. Gambits that do that. So that's the nice thing. Question for you guys. Good. Sorry, just real quick. I can't find it. By the way, I tried. Um, just thinking out loud. Is 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 Rothgorn a good tome caddy? Well, technically, I guess, but we, we nobody has really been able to do anything with the tomes since they've been restricted like that. Nobody's really doing much. You I know, but like, need, uh, I mean, you is, would, you would, uh, I mean, I guess maybe. So, is he so using a lot of, Tome of Vitality right? and, and the Acolyte? And these the are three that are very right? useful on him. The three of them are useful. And then I mean, you can do the stack milling thing to make sure that all the tomes come up. Yeah, so I mean, it could be. I mean, I'm not sure. I would. I think he really likes so much to be able to have some early glories and just calculate the risk or something yeah. like that. That yeah. actually, you know, it's it's a hard one. Um, maybe somebody's gonna make it work. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Somebody the out card, there uh, make it work. Tell us about it. Yeah, the card we were thinking about is called Digging Deep. Score this e, in an end phase one. if you drew. Oh, it's you score in an end phase if you drew at least four power and or objective cards in the preceding action phase. Yeah. Okay. So does that trigger uh, if you if you score a if you score a surge and then you draw another one that counts for that, right? Uh, actually, that's true. I never thought about that. Yeah. Wait, what's if, that? You definitely drew it, so that's a good point. Then. That's a good point. Yeah. So the, the card is way easier than I thought. So imagine, so you score two two surges and then one oh. action with veteran hunter. There's one. Oh glory. yeah, that would totally work. And how many glory is it? One. It's that just one. one. But I mean, that's easy to do though. One in the end exactly. phase. Yeah, Very that's hard easy to, to do with that. Hard to stop. Yeah, you can't stop them. Yeah. Yeah. Can't can't stop someone from drawing cards. That's you exactly. literally can't do so, that. Yeah. So it's a good one. <laughs> Unless you have unnatural truce, and then you can force them to draw a card. <laughs> and then oh, oh, okay. Them. Oh, okay. Yeah. You found a <laughs> use for it, everybody. Yeah. We did it. It would confuse the hell out of the enemy, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <like>, oh, you <laughs> want me to draw the card that I need? Don't mind if I do. All right. Uh, okay, cool. So those are three possible builds, maybe four, if somebody wants to try to tone these guys out. Sounds Sounds good. Nice He's thing. not a I mean, wizard, so we can't do the pages. We can't put the pages no. on him, unfortunately. Nah. Well, I don't think the pages thing is really like super viable. It yet. could be. It could be. Eh, it could be in the future. I'm bringing that um, next Monday. You better be ready. Are you for real? <laughs> You're going to put them on the hyena? I can't wait, man. Yeah, no, yeah, put, put them on, on the hyena. And thwack. There, there's two yeah. of them, so they can carry more 
More yeah. more yeah, they can carry more pages. Yeah. All right, so why don't we dive into some of these faction-specific cards? We'll start with uh, the objectives as we usually do. We're going to break these up into cards that we think are auto-includes. Um, that means that like anytime you play Hrothkorn, you should be playing these cards. And then um, other cards that we think are good, depending on how you've kitted them out. So we'll start with uh, with the auto include objectives, and we really like uh, unexpected cunning, which says if that I can find it, yeah. that really is the one auto include. Play three power cards, one glory. Yeah. So uh, I have it pulled up here. It says surge score this immediately after your third or subsequent power card in this same phase playing playing your third or subsequent power card in this same phase. See, that's actually a little bit better than like the one that you have in um, in, in the spoilers. And I think the Grimwatch have one, too, because yeah. in those you have to play gambits. Mm-hmm. This says power cards. So it's also very sweet. It's also your upgrades. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, or you could be a dumbass like me and think that you have to play it all in one power step and play right, the which card is like that definitely, for like three, four games yeah. without realizing it. That, it doesn't say that. It's, I know. Uh, not just, what the cup says. Yeah. I couldn't believe I, I, it was so good. <laughs> I put like that handicap on myself. Yeah. yeah. Randa's like, nah, it can't be that easy. This card's just so stupid. Easy. You just play three cards. Like, I mean, everybody yeah. does it every time. Yeah. It's an auto include. You got to throw it in. This is possibly the best search in the game at this point, to be honest. I yeah I think Probably faction specific guy, yeah. yeah definitely I think it um, might I think it's fighting up there with a uh, harness the storm yeah no yeah I think it is because you can fail your rolls on your uh, on the other thing like you're go- you're gonna throw you three cards exactly point. and if you don't right. you really are having a very bad turn yeah. really play, like, play the game get a score for yeah. free <laughs> get That's rewarded it. yeah okay and another one that we really liked uh, so that one just goes in. Um, but another one that we really liked is Arm of the Everwinter, um, and this is a Surge. Score this immediately when your Warband removes a feature token from the battlefield or just flips the feature token. Yeah, That's sure. pretty good. It is basically a better Scorched Earth. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, um, you have now, two options there. Now, this is interesting, right? Because, like, you know, Gerard and I were both, we've both been playing this, this Warband for a while, and uh, well, since they came out, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, th- I'd, I'd have to say that out of all the decks I've built, um, you know, destroying the objectives wasn't, like, the top priority that I took in, in when I, like, built the deck. But I always had Arm of the Everwinter and at least one card that destroys an objective in yeah. in all the decks I ever built. So we're going to call it an auto-include, even though... You know, I mean, it that doesn't, you don't have to lean guy, too heavily into it to to make it good. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I ended up. I am now playing with both with arm and with scorched earth. Yeah, and yeah. that just because I like redundancy. So if I put arm, I'm not sure I would be happy going out of the door with only one card to blow up an objective. Yeah. Then I take two, and once you take two gambit, you say, "Well, I might as well take the other glory, right?" So it just it's um. It's also true that you can be unlucky and this could break your hand big time. So, mm-hmm. so it really can bo- cuts both ways. Um, what's the other card that you're throwing in besides... Um, what's, wh- what are you doing to flip over the, the tokens? So on the objectives, you put Scorched Earth and Arm of the Everwinter. 
and then right. on the gambit you put for instance leave nothing to chance leave nothing to chance and yeah and they're and, and frozen action specific one that they have yeah and okay. then yeah. which we'll talk about in a minute frozen all right cool so we like throwing that in there and of course with these guys killing a few objectives against particular warbands is a good thing and even if you're just doing it to score a glory or two it's worth doing it's super easy yeah i think okay. of it the same way that people in course breakers sometimes take um, you know abazoth and making for no reason except for to uh inspire one of their guys but exactly so. but you you know you it's a spell which counts you inspire your guy and you know and you do something in this case you actually get glory out of it so it's kind of yeah nice. it's even better all right and so depending on the build uh let's see we had a couple of ideas uh we liked always moving always moving is uh score this in any end phase if there is at least one surviving friendly fighter and there are no sur no friendly fighters in your territory so if you're playing a super aggressive thing and you're trying to move your narblars or you said uh gerard what's another possibility for this one because i don't want oh, to what i like here. about this one is that again if you're playing balls to the ball aggro you're going to go in with the uh, with the ogre and the uh, cat and maybe a nobbler or whatever and then what people try to do is get behind you and kill the nobblers right right so in fact many times they are actually helping you do this if they kill two nobblers that means and that means and that means that you don't have any fighter in your in your area they That's got right. to glory for the nobblers but you get to glory because you get this this thing is basically a conquest that you can score in any phase right so it's kind of like nobbler hunting insurance exactly if they go back kill the guys you you know you you look sad but then you drop the card you know right or okay. if you go balls to the wall with the ogre and the cat and then they kill both of them then at the end of the game you can run into their territory with a, with a one reason or not get to glory yeah yeah that is true yeah that's the other one so it's not yeah all right so to, again depending on the build um you also uh liked butchering and you said that you were playing with that one a bit and uh so, that one yeah, is a yeah. score in the end phase it is two in any end phase if there are more enemy fighters out of action than surviving enemy fighters and we said that this also kind of you kind of have to think about this because it depends on the matchup um maybe exactly. triumphant yeah. hunt is better but uh go ahead you can talk about that so triumphant hunt is three enemy fighters need to be out of action and one of them needs to be a quarry but of course as long as the ogre is alive all of them are quarries so they're quarries right so that's not a problem so basically this is just literally basic math right so if you are going to be fight fighting again grimwatch and thorns then actually triumphant hunt is better because you only need to kill three right so they have to stay out. Oh, exactly. So right. That's so with the, right? the Grimwatch, we, you have the problem that they might come back. The problem with Triumphant Hand, again, as before, is that you know you fight butchering. I mean, you fight uh, Curse Breakers or Nurgle, and all of a sudden you just have like the, the shittiest annihilation in the game. Right. Yeah, so you have an right annihilation with, that scores two instead of five. Yeah, five. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's really, it's really like a midi, a really terrible annihilation, right? So, and again, since I realized that, in fact, these tough guys are kind of the hard matchup for this guy, for for Ogre, I prefer taking butchering because, it, again, it gives me a little bit of an insurance, right? Killing two of these guys is not out of the question. Killing the whole three, it hardly ever happens, frankly. 
Yeah, but butchering is a little bit harder to do against the high model count warbears. Exactly. Like Thorns, the downside. Gits, exactly. and uh, especially Grimwatch because they can come back, yeah. Exactly. The downside is that against uh, seven fighter warbands, you have to kill an extra guy. You're right. So that's more of a meta call then? Yeah, and, exactly. and it's also if you're doing the, a very aggressive build. Yes. I mean, I could I could see a world in which you really go boss to the wall and you put both of them. But again, the potential for breaking your hand is... You're not going to do probably either of them in the first phase. So, yeah, you'd so have to get to work on that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, the next one uh, that we said again is a it's a maybe depending on the build is uh, flush them out, which is a surge. Score this immediately. One glory. If your warband pushes an enemy fighter that is not adjacent to your leader, and after the push they are adjacent to your leader. Yeah. So you know we all love surges that don't require dice rolls, right? Right. So that's kind of one of them. But this one actually requires positioning. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, if you're playing aggressive and your ogre is going to be between, you know, among all these enemy fighters, you're going to score this. But sometimes that's not necessarily what you want to do. Um, and you want to keep your distance and this card in your hand forces your hand a little bit. It forces to get in. So it's, it's uh, again, if, if that was your plan from the beginning to go boss to the wall in, then actually take this card because you're going to score it. As long as the ogre survive, of course. Right. Um, but if you want to play a little bit more KG, uh, it's it, it it might it, it can it's a it's a card that can force your hand. All right, so that sounds good as far as faction specific uh, objectives. Uh, let's move on. Let's get on to the gambits. Well, I just want to say oh. I like I like flush oh. them out if you're playing a more like control style build where you have a lot of those cards that push. Uh, oh, that's cool, fighters yeah. and like let's say you do the bushwhacker trap it goes off does two damage great but then your opponent just kills bushwhacker now you kind of have these uh incentive to get these pushes off um yes so you typically are going to take oh, yeah. the full amount of pushes with this guy so that actually synergizes quite well with this right with plus this you guy. can use it to set up uh an inspire kill and then on top of that, also score this. At the right. same Absolutely, time. yeah, yeah. You could you could distract somebody adjacent, score this thing, and then activate, kill the guy, and then you're really happy. Right. Um, you can also do it if you use the trap and do like the old the uh, trap launcher. You know, the, yeah, the yeah. You could do like the old scorpion fatality, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, come here. You know, get over here. And then, yeah. yeah, that's what I think about every time I see it. Um, okay, sounds good. Uh, gambits. There's a sweet, sweet gambit here that you have to auto-include. All right, that, so, uh, so, so auto-includes, we got Ravenous Fury. Yeah, so this thing is really great. It's uh, Ravenous Fury says, uh, reaction, play this after your leader's failed range one attack action. Your leader makes one attack action. It doesn't say it has to be uh, the same That's the sweet thing. So basically, uh. it has a downside. The downside compared to other cards like this is that it, it's only one fighter, the ogre, and it needs to be a range to one attack, the one that just failed. Yeah. Right. So the, in this, so this is a limitation compared to uh, what's yeah, the one use for it on the uh, trap launcher. Oh, we were comparing it to uh, uh, endless malice from the Thor. Exactly. But that that could be any fighter. Yeah. And exactly. It, it and course breakers also course breakers have another one like that, right? Yeah. So yeah. This one there's, be, there's echoing spite on the banshees as well. Yeah. yeah. But this one 
after you fail that range one attack, you can make any attack. So again, you could shoot the, the trap launcher on somebody else, or you could attack somebody else that is also adjacent, right? Maybe you prefer, in fact, I was in a game the other day in the, in the Vassal League, um, and, and the other player was actually was a mirror match, charges in with Haymaker, and he ends up adjacent to the hyena, I mean, the cat, and, and I think it was Quiff, right? So he attacks actually the cat with the Haymaker, and I was lucky enough to roll a defensive crit, and then plays this thing, and decides to actually attack Quiff because at that point, you know, the Haymaker effect is gone. So he'd rather actually kill something that risk again an attack on a two defense die cat, right? So, you know, it can be helpful in, in, um, in several situations to be able to, you're not forced to make the same attack, basically. Yeah. Right. The, the other reason I like this card is because it's just, you know, his uh, range one attack is so much better than the, the range attack. The range three attack and you don't want to charge with him too early or really ever you know you want to try to move you know your opponent's models towards him or yes find ways to to make him attack more than once um during a round uh so you know when you do have to do that when you do have to charge or do a, a melee attack then this really gives you that insurance that make sure yes. it goes through Many times, this is the card that actually ends up inspiring the inspiring, ogre. Frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what right. how you get your inspire off. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Um, another one that we think is an auto include because we think Arm of the Everwinter is an auto include. So we like Frozen Earth, which is pick a feature token in a hex that contains or is adjacent to your leader. So it could be anywhere around them or you can be standing on it, and remove it from the battlefield. So this is your way to score Scorched Earth. This is your way to score Armor of the Everwinter. Yes. The other thing is the ogre has to be on the field. That's true. But it, it is actually huge that you can kill um, an objective that it's adjacent. adjacent. This yeah. is huge. You don't need to waste an activation moving on it, for instance. <clears throat> if you deploy next to it, play this thing, boom, the objective is gone. But also, you might be attacking somebody who is on an objective and is on guard right and maybe yep. actually the defensive ah. and you don't actually kill it so you know you don't even get to like whatever dualist pit or something onto the objective or whatever well you can still bow it up under them yeah yeah if they have yeah. the 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 inspired chain rasp with spectral armor uh, exactly that horrible companion guy. Yeah. uh tome of glories yeah. and you know, sudden growth and all that, and you restless you, you prize, they restless prize. Yeah, yeah. That. And then you charge him. You're like, I have to get him out of here. And then he he defends. And then you're just like, Nope, objective's gone. Well, I still blow up this thing. Exactly. Yeah. I score arm of the Everwinter. I score scorched earth. No, there you go. <laughs> all right. So we like that. And then we had a couple of ideas depending on the build. Uh, one of them that was recommended by Ugerard, so defend your position, uh, is Noblar Scramble. Yeah, you want to so push I, those friendly Noblars up to two hexes? Yeah. So the Noblars are, kind of, are kind of useless, but you know, precisely because they're kind of useless, you really don't want to burn activations moving them around. Yeah, right? that's true. So but, you're going to burn a ploy card? Which means here is a... Yeah, but it's, it, you, you burn a ploy card, but it moves three it's, of them. 
it moves three of them. There are not many. Oh, it's it's all of them, yeah. Of them too, and they yeah. move two hexes. That is some yeah, pretty so good sweet, action sweet, economy sweet. right there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So then you, if you go for path to victory, boom, that's the way you get your normal. Mm. If you go for scrum, that's the way you get yeah. the together, yeah. you know, singing Kumbaya. If you want to get farther out with Bushwaka to put the trap in a nasty place, yeah, that's the way you can get Bushwaka two hexes up before you activate and run another three and get catch somebody with the pants down. So it's it, you know there's several different things you can do. Maybe that's the card that gets the nobler over the midline to score um, uh, always moving. You know, oh right, or all three of them for that matter. Yeah, so, so this is this card's quite good, but it's gonna. You're, the only reason you're gonna play it is if your objectives and you know your overall yes. game plan involves involves the noblars, helping out. Happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it may be exactly, especially if the full aggressive build. You just want you just deploy your noblars in the very back and forget about that, basically. Right, right. All you right. Know, you you never want to spend any activations moving them or put any upgrades on them or anything. You just want to be attacking with. Hrothgorn, so you probably don't take this. Yeah, exactly. So it really depends. Speaking of Hrothgorn, we have another, maybe you put this one in there. It's not too bad, uh, which is Icy Breath. And uh, this is Hrothgorn specific ploy. Choose one enemy fighter within three hexes of your leader and roll a magic dice on a channel or a crit. So two thirds chance the chosen fighter is dealt a damage. So it's Fear of Akshi for Hrothgorn. Yeah, and it's not magic. Not that it doesn't matter, that it matters, but anyway. So yeah. this one is, you know, we all love uh, ping damage. It's a, it's a yeah. very sweet thing. And ping damage that it's completely unrestricted, you know, it's even right. sweeter, right? So yep. no need to be in an, in an edge hex, no need to be on an objective, right? Well, it needs to be within three of Hrothgorn, so that's something. Well, that's basically where he's going to be shooting at anyway, so it can be like the last uh, ping damage to kill something. Or or even, or maybe you do this before, right? So again, if you are fighting right. four wound fighters, Hrothgorn only does three damage. So you might play this in the power step before. Right. Try to see if you can lucky in your die. Now they go down to three die, to three wounds. Now you go and attack, right? Gotcha. Um, so it's, you know, ping damage is always nice. Anyway, so that's another card with ping damage. So yeah, this is yeah. good in the aggro build. Yes, because you're going to be close anyway, so you want to be doing this. All right. And um, another one that we have, which we like if you're planning on uh, destroying or removing objectives, is uh, more traps. This is a Bushwhacker specific card. So you got to be careful. Yeah. Um, the fighter-specific ploy we've been seeing a lot I know. Of recently. Yeah. yeah, they've been coming up. Pick one. This Waterman has token. several. Yeah, it does. This uh, pick pick one feature token in a hex that contains or is adjacent to a friendly bushwhacker. Flip that token, so you can't destroy it, but you can flip it and turn it into a lethal. Yeah, you can still score your Armor of the Everwinter card with right, but not scorched earth. Right. No. Exactly. Right. So this yeah, is I like th this is if if you're deck is built around destroying the objectives and possibly scoring like uncontested or something like that or you know cards like that this is this is going to be your third or possibly even fourth objective destroying card might need to take this you know because yes. we have we already have frozen earth and um leave nothing leave to nothing chance are both better Right, then so you would take those over, over more traps. So you can have more traps as your third, or there's another one where you can just 
play it and it flips one in your own territory. I forgot what yeah, that one's called. Unexpected Peril. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's probably the third best one. So this is like the fourth best one. Yeah. So the downside so the upside of this guy is that this one is that you could actually flip something in the opponent's territory, which sometimes is what you want to do to stop temporary victories and stuff like that. Yeah. The downside is that you actually have to have Bushwalker get there. And he's not the most solid fighter in the game. So Yeah, but if you got Noblar scramble, it's a little bit easier. Ah, you see, you see. Yeah. See? All right. So again, depends on how you're attacking your yeah, Noblar right. scramble would be important in that that build that would be yes. that card. Okay. All right, so let, let's move on to the faction-specific upgrades. Man, these guys have some good upgrades. Um, they have three that are really good and faction-specific, yeah. so hands off, everybody. Three that um, you would auto consider auto-include. Yeah, so we have... And, and, and they all... Like, basically, you should throw them on Hrothgorn, but, I mean, like, you'd throw them on somebody else if you had to, but you got to keep Hrothgorn on the table. Uh, so yeah. the first one is called Famed Hunter, and it's just awakened weapon, right? Yep. Very nice. Uh, where is it? Hold on a second. I should have it. There it is. Famed Hunter. Um, it die. is. Is it? It is Trothcorn specific. You can reroll one attack die in yeah. the the fighter's attack roll. So it's awakened weapon. It's foul temper, um, and that's great, especially for something that's going to be shooting and stabbing things all over the place. That's Get that. those rerolls in, everybody. Um, the next one is called Massive Bulk. They actually put a faction-specific sudden growth in this warband. Isn't that great? But hold on, Gerard. What happened to you and me when we were playing our game, though? That is true. So, you know, leave yeah. and learn. I okay. lost a game against Wolves because I put this thing too early. Yep. You don't want to make it, you don't want to be making these massive ogres but even fatter. And then he only moves two hexes. And if the, yeah. if the ghouls run away, you are basically, uh, you know, your your massive ogre is just there, you know, basically picking his nose. Well, you know, so, yeah. Well, you know what I did two. in that game? What's that? He still moves two with. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. but, but what happened in that game yeah. is that I played the, uh, the one with the three block hexes. Oh, yeah, yeah, so there was a lot and of. He was uh, all the way in, so I just hit, blocking I hid my guys so. behind things. He had no line of sight. Yeah, you so, gotta you gotta definitely play this like after you've charged forward at least once. Yeah, you, know, you wanna you wanna attack, you wanna charge forward, attack, and then play this. Be close to people. Be clo have several yeah. targets still around. Yeah, and then play the thing so that you can still make I, another attack or something. I, I would even, this. and you know, when you have a six wound fighter. And like all the other fighters around you are like dealing two, three damage. You don't have to put this on right away. You can take no. that first hit and then throw it on later. Uh, exactly. That After the hit comment. comes in, like really throw this on the last, the last logical moment. Yeah. You could even bait them into on. using some cards before yeah. they do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a very good card, but it's basically like Southern Grove. So the same place is same minus. Yeah. Exactly. Especially when your when your warband is so revolved around this one fighter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've seen okay. people. There's there's a guy back home in Barcelona who was playing this this uh, warband a lot and well, and he actually prefers um, to have great fortitude and actually tome of vitality. So he's actually willing to burn a restricted. Yeah. To Just not to make put, it so he doesn't have the. To not put massive bulk or or sudden growth. He feels that it's very limiting. So, so you know, could have either way. I still put this thing on the 
on the on the you know auto include yeah. file. But, oh yeah, um, you need to have the option. Absolutely. You definitely want to have some stuff to keep your over alive. That's for sure. Because when he dies, the whole thing, the whole the whole edifice crumbles. So yeah. So you need you need wounds, you need extra wounds, you need stuff. I mean, and well, I mean, at least, least you have Thrafnir. I mean, you can still do some stuff with Thrafnir, but yeah, you really but it, want, yeah, the, the ogre is the big deal. All right. Uh, we also have as an auto include a uh, Toughen Hide. That is uh, basically Eldritch Ward for the hunters in the band. Yeah. So in this case, Ogre and Cat. So many yeah. times, actually, this time, this stuff goes on the cat, funny. Enough. Throw it on the yeah, cat. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so if this happens, if the if this fighter's dealt uh, damage, you reduce the damage by one to a minimum of one. Um, so yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and you said uh, in in certain builds. Oh, sorry. Well, let's get to that. Let's get to our in certain builds. We have a veteran hunter you mentioned before, which yeah, is that's the one we discussed before. It's it's a crazy yeah. to have an action, and by the way, it's an action. It doesn't even give you like um, a charge token. token or anything. You right. could do it. You could basically draw eight cards. You know, yeah, you just keep doing it. You want to just read it real quick? Uh, yeah, it's just it says uh, it says action drop to two power cards, and it doesn't say who it has to go on. Oh, it has no, to be on Throthmorn or a Noblar. Yeah, you can't put it on the kitty. Okay. So yeah, the, just to reiterate that this is already a really good action. You know, especially in this yeah. warband where you need to be able to draw the. You know, you don't really want to. Um, you need to draw cards to to score a lot of your um, surges. You need to draw cards to make the trap effective and to make it so that Hrothgorn doesn't have to charge. You want to make sure he attacks yeah. more than once every time. Um, so drawing a lot of cards... And you, and you need to get the upgrades on him before he dies. Um, so you need to draw a lot of cards with this warband. Or, you know, having a good hand is is extremely important. And doing this can also help in the, in the builds that require you to draw a lot of cards to uh, empty your whole deck, so... Really yeah, that's that's why yeah, I feel that there's there is a deck there. There is a deck that basically really tries to do this like on overdrive. Yeah, you're using that where you're using this card three four times a game. Yeah, and then and again, as you said, you know, a lot of a lot of these. So when I've lost with the ogre, literally, are games where your power hand doesn't match your objective hand. Yeah, yeah. Right. These are the games. That's how you lose games with the ogre. Yep. So, so this basically helps a lot. You lose okay. games with the ogre when your your hand doesn't match and the ogre misses every attack. That's basically the only time you lose. Well, that's yeah. So. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't that true? Funny enough, like anything okay. else, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we do have uh, three card awards to give out today. Um, we're going to start with a new award, which uh, we're dubbing the Hunting Aspect Award, uh, which is the. Uh, Award given to the card in the faction that is specific to a dangle bro and absolutely sucks. It's just terrible, like hunting aspect for the uh, for the wild hunt, uh, for the Legane or whatever it is. And uh, anyway, that's what it is. And it's called this particular one is uh, goes to uh, Plucky Pear, and Plucky Pear is a uh, is an upgrade faction specific that you have to put on Luggett and Thwack. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's the funny thing that if this card didn't have to go on on Logit and Thwack, it's actually pretty awesome. It's yeah. Well, then bond. it's then Spirit Bond, which is oh, good. Yeah, but it has yeah. to go on Logit and Thwack, and you they have to get put it in the guy that you literally you only use. Yeah. Yeah, I'll read it. 
You get uh, rolls of uh, single supports are successes in this fighter's attack rolls and defense rolls. It's if you could put it on anybody, it would be great. Or just the other but, goblins, the other even the other goblins. No, would be better, actually. It would be better at least, but you have to put it on Luggett and Thwack. Yeah, who are the guys with a single defense dice? Yeah, they That's their the their defense dice actually doesn't go up to two like the other. Noblars do when they inspire. Yeah. It stays at one. Useless. So, yeah. Yeah. So let's say right here, the only thing you do with this plucky pair, with this Dugit and Twack, is score calculated risk out of them moving. That's why you yeah. do that. Yeah. So if you find yourself making attacks with them, something has gone horribly wrong. Something's gone horribly wrong. Well, yeah, I like um, to have them score that and also just if I, it, on certain boards, you, you have to put some of your fighters like in charge range of your opponent and i like to put him forward sometimes if i need to because he has because they have three wounds yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they are slightly more robust yeah oh can you say Is robust even... again robust oh no okay no 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 say it say can it the spanish can you, can you say it say it in spanglish please robusto oh, oh that's okay. so good all right i'm ready to get move on mm. you're getting Sex, a mass, sexy I mean... podcast voice right there all right. Um, we're getting there, right? We're, we're actually right. getting there. Go for it. Yeah, not bad. Okay. Oh, yes, I know. We have one more. You could, um, I think you, you should do this right now. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to do the other one first. We, ah. we, so we do actually have an aggressive defense award, which, of course, goes to a card that's unnecessarily uh, convoluted. And uh, the one that we thought actually is the most convoluted is Hrothgorn's character card. Um, and that whole business with the crossbow attack and the push reaction and everything just That's the timing on it's like really wacky. So t tell us about that, Gerard. I mean, this will just cause headaches. I mean, for instance, there's a debate on whether um, this push stops scoring stead steadfast defender. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think so. Steadfast defender, defender is. Let's look you, that up. Hold on. Yeah, which one is that? Again? I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Keep going, Gerard. So basically, you need to. Uh, it's it's a search. You get a glory if somebody attacks you when you are when you are standing on an objective, and at the end of the attack, you are still on the objective. Oh, right, because yes. are Surge you on... immediately after an attack action that targets a friendly fighter holding an objective? If that fighter is still holding that objective, and the, yeah. the argument and, and is, Norgal, yeah. by the way, has a card like this. Norgal has also they have an like infaction this. card that's like the same thing. Yeah, and the right. question yeah, is, well, when do we look at this thing? Before or after this reaction? Um, so do, think, let's let's say the attack hits you, right? The 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 exactly. trap launcher attack hits you, but you're on guard. Some, say, some say people that are arguing that you score the objective right away before the before the uh, trap launcher goes off. The push from the trap launcher. Okay. So I think I fall on the side of actually you actually score it, and yes. uh, and and the reason I think I fall on that side is because this uh, score immediate card doesn't have the end of the activation stipulation. Yeah. It's after the attack action, so it's exactly. not even it's during um, the activation. And then, and then the the trap launcher is a reaction to after the attack action after, succeeds. Exactly. But it's so, not after the activation; it's after the success. Exactly. So, so that's why I think that in this case, I think the answer, hopefully, I think is that the answer that they would get to score that even if you get to push them. But let's see. I hope. I also hope that the FAQ clarifies this stuff because it's messy. It's very messy. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, but. Uh, Bottom line with this award is that the the fighter cards are actually more needlessly confusing than the the power cards in this yeah. warband. Yeah, to a certain extent, I, I would have to agree. And with you me. know, we've already spent like ten minutes talking about the um, about the trap, bushwhack right? a trap. Yeah, 
this whole thing with Luggett and Thwack, where if they have more six, if if you have if the opponent has more successes, then you get to push them. That's so yeah, that's, that's so yeah. needlessly like, dumb. Yeah, it actually like what it is is actually very straightforward, but the yeah. way that it's worded yeah, makes it yeah. sound more convoluted than it is. Right, and right. I can see a lot of people just getting screwed up. A lot by of people that. messing that up for no real good exactly. reason. Yeah. So. Folks, read your cards yeah. with attention. Yeah, that's yeah for real. Yeah, Max. I mean, what? Well, I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm the worst at that. I'm really bad. Look your I, goddamn I, tokens over, Max. I don't know what turn. Oh man. Is. Oh, forget it. I am the worst with token management. Terrible. Right. Um, last one. Because I, yeah, the last one. Of course, we have to have the unintentionally sexual card name award, and uh, this particular one is actually a tie. Uh, we're going to give it to uh, Massive Bulk. Uh, and be. also, and all, yeah, and also momentarily sated, which is kind of like you know the after effect. That's the pillow talk card right there. Yeah, and we said that uh, it's only momentary. Unexpected though. cunning was only one letter off. It was it's two letters off. Yeah. Okay, it's two okay. letters off. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys have a lot of innuendo going. Yeah. Um, exactly. Oh, this entire game does get out of here. All right. So let's uh, go to uh, the decks that we've been playing with. Uh, Gerard, you're going to go first, and uh, yours is the one with combo strike in it. Mine's the one with combo yes. strike in it. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. I'm just going to go run down what we got. Um, I'm only going to point out things that are not obvious. Because a lot of these things are kind of obvious. Um, so you have calculated risk, combination strike, fired up, great gains, opening gambit, scorched earth, which we've talked about, arm of the Everwinter, uh, butchering, which we talked about. You have uh, gathered momentum, so that's for the kitty. Yeah, everyone has yes. that, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and uh, singled out, because you're probably going to put a lot of stuff on the, on the ogre. On the ogre, yeah, if things go well. Scrum? Yeah, I like Scrum, and that's because, uh, you know, you have these people sitting in the back not doing much. You play Noble Scramble, scores, you know. It's a card, frankly, as usual. I think but this is for every Warband, right? Very nice when you have it in your start. You know, you get a massive bulk when you get it in your starting hand. Yeah, yeah I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, if it shows up towards the very end of the game, it's, it's not as good. It's very yeah. disappointing. Sometimes the your your Grimwatch or Thorn's opponent can just go ahead and score this for you. That's a sweet one. Right? This has happened That's a couple true. of times. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. So, so it's it's. I think it's a card that is okay for these guys. It's either this one, or uh, sometimes people put a warning shot. Right, right. That yep. They're both restricted, but warning shot is good. Yeah. The nice thing about warning shot is that, uh, as you well know, it's like the best accuracy buff in the game. Right. Yes, so, yeah. If you have it in your hand, yep. People playing, if you play with score. warning shot and you it's in your hand, it. you will never miss. You will roll crits every time you touch the dice. Exactly. That's so it's, fact. you know, either it's one or the other. So we have photo yeah. documented evidence of this on our Facebook page. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, Gerard, we're getting to your gambits. You have commanding stride, which I think is a great idea. Anytime you have, you're putting so much, uh, you know, stock in the where the uh, the leader's standing. Commanding Stride is the way to go. Uh, Frozen Earth, which you talked about before. Noblar Scrambler, Ravenous Fury, which you talked about before. Frenzied Search. Yeah, so this one is, in, you know, I put either this one or uh, Center of Attention. Basically, notice here that I have two cards that require blowing up objectives. And mm -hmm. then I have two Gambits that, you know, that, are, that I have to blow up objectives. As yeah. we discussed before with, uh, with Randall and why uh, Veteran Hunter might be such a great card, you need 
you really want to run through your power deck with this guy because you need abundance of you know gambits to score stuff uh, so right. that's basically that allows me to just get three um, it's frankly another awesome card to have in your starting hand when you also have um, unexpected cunning okay that's one of yeah. the things you see right, right away you yeah, get yeah, one you of the three new play. cards yeah okay, three more uh, oh yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah sorry yeah unexpected cunning definitely uh yeah so that anyway so that's why it's there sometimes yeah. it can um, enable you to actually put some you know sometimes you have too many upgrades in your hand or whatever you're not actually able to play unexpected cunning before the end phase and the, the frenzy search can get you there exactly all right cool uh we got leave nothing to chance uh which is uh worm spat uh oh it's no it's a universal uh, it comes, it comes from the worm spat thing that's the one where you get to blow up an objective Take yeah. a feature token hex that contains a friendly fighter. You just have to be standing on it. Okay. Yeah, it's any any objective, but your guy has to be in that hex. So right. it's a little limited. So all right. Um, but we got but it can be uh it can be a nobbler. Yep. Indeed. Uh it could also be what the key because it doesn't have to be holding it. Doesn't have to be holding, correct. Yeah. It has so to be charging with the kitty. You you're charging with the kitty. You know, in the middle of, uh, especially if the, if your opponent got three objectives, and then you just yeah. blow up one, and that can be very irritating for somebody who thought could score a temporary victory like um, in one activation. Sure, just puts a little little kitty duty on that. Zout. Exactly. Gotcha. Uh, Nightmare in the shadows and distraction because everybody's going to be playing oh, those now. Uh, and then you also have snare and uh and spectral wings yeah you have hunters here so you want snare you know yep and spectral wings yeah so uh, i think it's pretty self-explanatory all right might, and, and I, I like spectral wings by the way because it also gives you a tiny bit of insurance if you lose the cat too early you you still want to have some way of scoring gather momentum oh yeah you can still do it yeah and even with one of the nar yeah even with one of the novelars you could and you um, yeah, yeah. All right, um, upgrades, you stay bag of tricks because I assume you're trying to pull specific stuff out. Yeah, exactly, for the reasons we discussed, yeah. There you go. You're playing with a glory seeker because it works oh, on the sh works on the shots too. Uh, exactly. That's a, that's exactly the reason, yeah. I think this yeah. guy wants glory seeker before he wants it works on the shots and it works on the cat too. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Because the cat can't um, take weapons. He can only take. Just right, but glory seeker can take. Uh, you, you put in blazing soul. Yes, I love that card, and I okay. say, yeah, I, I just fact, make sure it's, it's another happen. one of the yes. another one of the massive bulk cards. You know, when you get this in your starting hand, you are very happy. Right. Um, I see you have both. Uh, do you have Tome of Offering? And no, you don't have Trophy Belt. I don't actually. I went down the right of Cryptic Companion. So oh, okay, so you went Cryptic Companion instead. Okay. Um, I think you can do it either way. I, I feel this way again. I do this basically for the for the sake of insurance. Again, uh, when you are facing course breakers, you fact you actually rather have critical companion than trophy belt. Right. Okay. So that's the reason. Sounds good. Uh, we got famed hunter, massive bulk, tough and hide, all ones that we said uh, we talked about before. Um, Crypting companion, which we just talked about, and then uh, great strength. The last one is called predatory instinct. Yeah, so that's one of these. So the fact that Hrothgorn makes all enemy fighters um, quarries opens yeah. a bunch of cards that are otherwise useless. Right. And this is one of those, right? That's basically a reroll. 
against yeah, everything. Yeah. So uh, you're the going around with, with two awakened weapons. It's actually very sweet, if you ask me. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, so you can reroll both of them. That's great. Yeah, there is another card that gives you a defensive reroll if a quarry attacks you. That is also possible. You know, it's very viable yeah. in this in this deck. And there's finally a third card that gives you a push every time a quarry moves. Actually, every time a quarry activates. So, so that okay. could also oh, be viable. So that actually, anyway. might be very good. What's, yes, what's that yeah. one called? Uh, how is that? Uh, reflexes, hunters' reflexes, or something like that. Hunters' reflexes. I think I've heard of that one. Let me just make sure that that's what that is. Um, well, yeah, this, just having Rothcorn already has enough dice and damage to make a huge impact on the board, and having these rerolls are just a perfect upgrade. Same exactly. hunter and. The predatory instinct are both these uh, awakened actually better rerolls that yeah. help them out a, a huge amount. Yeah, I prefer much better these uh, for this particular deck than say potion of rage. Yo, because you get to do this several times typically. Yeah, hunter's reflexes is real good oh, for if if for this... I was for the full offensive for the full offensive deck. I think that actually hunter's reflexes is is almost a must. So good. That allows oh, yeah. you to move around, you know. For this deck that you know we're discussing here is a slightly more cagey. So um so you want to basically typically spend the first phase, you know, scoring your passives and whatever and only charge at the very end. So there isn't that yeah. you know, so it's a slightly different. But anyway, any of these three cards, when you're playing the over, you should always have in the back of your mind because they're the three are very good. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think this is a great example of one of those cards where you didn't know how good it was going to be until a particular warband came out and you're like, oh, you can really use that. Hunter's reflexes, that looks that looks real good. It can yeah, be you get to, you get it can be game changing. Yeah. Free sidestep literally every activation, as long as you know they 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 don't draw a card. That's yeah. really well, good. it's still worth though. Huh? So it's you know, it's not as completely free as you would wish, but yeah. It's towards the quarry that activates, yeah. Does it? After enemy's activation, if that fires a quarry, oh yeah, it has to be closer. Okay, that's still something though. But it is something, yeah. and you don't have to, right? It's a reaction. No, no exactly, it's a reaction. So you don't have to. Okay, yeah. that is good though. Um, all right, and then uh, Randall, here's what you've been playing with. Uh, for your objectives, we got you playing calculated risk, fired up, frugal, my man. All right. Yeah. 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 We got uh, opening I like gambit. It. I actually don't like it that much. And, oh come on, and, and, come on! In, in, in this warband, in this warband, in this warband, why, why is frugal no good in this warband? You gotta dump the upgrades if you got them. Ah, uh, you gotta use yeah. the upgrades. I get you. I get you. Well, I still uh, remember. Remember that frugal you Max got out of that game that we played on Basel, because what? we were always going around with uh, solid gains. And I told you, well, frugal, you know, it also works. Remember with the bunches? So I, I see that the, the, the wisdom is spreading. I know, I guess. Yeah, man. No, no, frugal's good, man. I like that. Good, I yeah. also like saying frugal. Frugal. It's like, it's like there you Ikea, go. You need that like rolled Ikea R. Furniture in, in yeah, it's like, a, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, you frugal. see, Randall, I'm not, I'm not happy with this. Randall's making better jokes than me lately, and it's no good. Sorry, sorry. No, you don't have to. Don't apologize. It's it's just like inside is no good. Dad jokes and is is Max that needs to is clearly Max that's losing a step here. I am. It's just late on a Friday. I mean, what do you want me to do? We got opening gambit. We got scorched earth. Armor of the Ever Winter. Uh, unexpected cunning. 
aggressive strategy. I've been playing with aggressive strategy lately, and I I kind of like it. Everybody's been five surges. I mean, I mean, all right. I think I think I've seen even decks again. This friend of mine in Barcelona had a deck with both combination strike and aggressive strategy. Yeah, so, that's, yeah that's, that's that's really not, try that's not, I don't like that. That's a Nazi guy, but that's if it like, works exactly, blah, you're playing. Yeah. I mean, it's uh no, but I mean, what if you draw them both up in your opening like hand? Yeah, like it just sucks when you have aggressive strategy and two other end phase cards in your opening hand. And yeah. that's the that's the only time it, it really sucks. But I feel a lot of like times this... you can get it rolling and scored in, you know, um end phase two sometimes. I feel it's that if you're playing both into. of these if you're playing both of these at the same time, it's kind of like in Austin Powers when he had twenty one and he asked it hit. Yeah, He's hit. like, Sure, you have twenty was <laughs> like I too like to live dangerously. Like I feel putting those in there together is like really pushing it. Um yeah. but you have gathered momentum, um, you have triumphant hunt. Yeah. Uh, score this in end phase if there are three. Right, you're doing the one with yeah, I was uh, trying the other that one. one. Trying that one. Trying it out. How's it been going? Not good because I because okay because it's not good because I built <laughs> this deck, um, you know, expecting you know the to play against you know high tier warbands all the time, and I've only been playing against Nurgle, Ripa's Eyes yeah, of the Nine. Your life and, sucks then. Uh, yeah, no. yeah. So like, Triumph and Hunt is terrible. Yeah, but you know. Okay. Um, and, and you have the, unexpected the, the destroy the objective, the scorched earth, and the arm of the Everwinter basically only exist right. to get me some extra points. They don't ever end up doing anything. No. Right. Uh, you also have unexpected pitfall, but let's look at your gambits. <clears throat> um, you have encroaching shadow, lethal ward, snare, and yeah, collapse. Sure. And so you have like all plink damage. And all the pushes into lethals. Also yeah, it. we have distraction, nightmare in the shadows, and center of attention. Yep, center of attention, and then you also have uh, frozen earth and leave nothing to chance. Yeah, those are the to, to score scorched earth and. Uh, so it's all pushes, plink damage, and just an objective destruction. Yeah. Okay, and then for the upgrades, you have great fortitude, great strength, fighter's ferocity, uh, spirit bond. You like spirit bond? Who are you spirit bonding to? The kitty. Uh, so usually, uh, like a, a Noblar uh, sitting a Noblar, in the back. Yeah, the furthest yeah. away Noblar. Cool. Yeah. You have Tome of Offerings and Trophy Belt, which mm -hmm. not a bad way to go. Um, survival Instincts on the. I assume you're yep. putting it on Rothborn. Yep. Yeah. So he's. I like both that. So he doesn't get pushed into lethals. Yeah. He he doesn't yeah. get pushed into lethals, and um, you know, when he gets his two defense dice, it it, it helps out it a lot. It really means something. Yeah. Yeah. It's also uh, a very good card for the kitty, by the way. Right. He has two yeah. dice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But getting pushed into lethals is sucks. Yep. Yeah. And and also I you know this is a kind of a it's a it's a pretty aggressive build and it has unexpected pitfall in it so I like to deploy the. My my lethal hex usually towards the middle of the board, you know where where a lot of the action is going to be. I I feel like, and I don't want to get pushed into it. Cool. Yeah, it it sucks to lose wounds. Yeah, it, it very it sucks very much to every every wound you lose on the brute is is painful because yep. it's getting yeah. closer to. Um, yep, and then you also have the the obvious trio of famed hunter, massive bulb, tough and hide. Yeah. 
all right, pretty good. But yeah, so this how... deck has been it, it like you know, like I said before, I built it in mind expecting to face yes. ha half the time I was expecting to face Thorns and Grimwatch, um, and then the other half maybe you know some some sort of aggro or curse breakers, right? And I thought I, I I achieved some sort of you know a little bit of balance between both of them, um, but it turns out I've only been playing against you know the three model. Tough warband, so it hasn't. This deck has not been doing as well as I thought it has. But it's this this warband is extremely fun to play. I've been having a blast to playing them, even yeah. when I lose, because you get to just do fun stuff. You get to do fun things with the trap. You get to shoot people, beat the crap out of people with the ogre. You know, if you lose, it, you had a good time. Usually, I feel like it's very nice. Yes, yeah. and they, they tend to be close games, by the way, which yeah, I also always, like. Yeah, you you never you almost never get to blow up blow like somebody out of the sky right it's just always well, nice two, there, two three no, glory I've had, games i've had games that have been blowouts but where where i win but you know i haven't had too many games where it's well uh, sometimes i think against, against max i had a, <laughs> a couple games against his nurgle where he's just like i'm gonna attack your dude three times yeah no, like, no, they all, all work time. yeah create, create i mean all three times he, you can't you can't yeah. take that as uh, as how it's going to run though because it's just the way that your dice always seem to go cold when you play me. I mean, I don't think it has anything to do with anything like that. Well, um, yeah, I have noticed other, a couple times that you know when you're when you're figuring it out, you know, you think, oh, this guy has six wounds, I'm just going to put him right in the front, and then they put, you know, they put three. Yeah. If, if all three of the Nurgle guys can attack you in one round, you're yeah, you, you, you might die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's that's interesting because um you know because I've been playing, I have not played Hrothgorn myself, but I've been playing against them a lot against both of you guys and um and also you know on vassal a little bit and um you know with the nurgle i i, I was actually having decent success with them because they're also tanky and uh for you guys with the hrothcorn trying to trying to kill nurgles there's only three of them yeah it, it, right. it takes a lot of time and effort to kill them and you're only going to get three you know glory off of kills so um, you know, you can't really run up the score with Tome of Offerings too much or, or uh, Trophy Belt too much. Yeah, um, like Nurgle is the worst nightmare for these guys. It really is the, the class of warbands that make you really move away from the full aggressive build. Because if you yeah. go full aggressive, that just, you know, you have a very low glory ceiling, you're going to be missing attacks like crazy, you're not going to inspire easily, like everything becomes worse, basically. Yeah, and the Nurgle also have the ability. I, re I remember Max. I had to figure this out the hard way. Um, they can just kill Thrafnir very reliably in the first round. You know, so oh yeah, lot, I was, a lot of times you want to put that. you know Hrothgorn and Thrafnir like uh, you know up front, and Max was just coming in with Sepsimus and killing him. You know, because you know you can you can typically expect a a, a Nurgle player to play the the lethal ward. Uh, yeah. You know, encroaching shadow type cards, so or you know the pit trap or something like that, um, and you know they just hit him once with with uh, either of the two Light King characters or even Fecula's melee attack, and he's just dead. Boom. So Boom. I I had to figure out you know against warbands like Nurgle, maybe deploy the the cat a little bit back farther, so you in and he's in a because they're going to be coming towards you, and you want to be able to get gather momentum. And, uh, you know, if they're coming towards you, they can kind of foil that. Um, and then yeah. the other thing is you, you need uh, Bushwhacker's Trap to actually go out. Like, it has to go off in those. In Otherwise, those you're screwed. That's yeah. true. Yeah. You really need that. Because that's yeah, like a three, two damage that they yeah. can't reduce. Yeah. And it could inspire you. Yeah. 
So right, yeah, yeah. I was also playing um, uh, Grimwatch into uh, into you, Gerard, at the yes. at the tournament we went to, and um, that's actually a surprisingly oh, surprisingly tough, tough yeah. matchup for for the Grimwatch. the The game that I won. I th- I really think I only won because you put that faction specific um yeah, sorry, the on there. Sorry, and I just like kind of played keep away. Yeah. yeah. But you but the thing is is that when when you're playing with so many little l- mostly defenseless fighters, Rothgorn just eats them up. You know, I mean, he just goes yeah. in there, he's getting glory off of kills, you throw a little tome of offerings on there, it's trouble. So I, I think that um, you know thorns and any of the horde warbands are going to have a tough go against this guy because they don't ha- they don't do a lot of damage and um, you know at least at least they can but only if they get a few attacks in. Yeah, and, and then there's um, another thing which yeah. is that which is very important. I feel um, when we talk about the top of the meta, one of the reasons Grimwatch are so good is because they tend to force warbands to change their plan because of yep. their inspiring condition. Right? Yep. But that's not an issue for the ogre because he really. wants to get in with the ogre and the cat. So therefore, you know, stopping the inspiring condition is, you know, you don't need to bend. Yeah. It's what you want to do anyway. Kind of the point. So, so it's a good, um, yeah, it works out. Um, All right. And again, as long as you don't get, as we know, the problem with Greenwich is like it can explode with the famous 11 glory turn. And then, you know. I've done it. And then bye-bye, yeah. Right. But yeah, you can yeah, also can kind that, of prevent the, the that. The Grimwatch can get that before you even go. Sometimes exactly, before they can and get you can yeah. get to them. Yeah. If, if they do room. that, if do that, if they do that, if they get to do that before you get your machine going and you miss a few attacks, then uh, you still lose. So yeah, Grimwatch is just very good. Yeah. That's kind right. of the issue with with Rothgorn in general is that like your 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 total glory from your upgrade deck is going to be rather low, but you have the capability of getting all this extra glory and. The, the potential to effectively stop your opponent from scoring their cards by exactly. killing so the shit out of them. Yeah. That's why it's such a nice warband to play because you know you have tools, you have to decide. You know, it's it's not a it's really not an autopilot warband. I really like it actually. I think it's very well designed. Okay, cool. So uh, have we talked about these guys enough? Do you think? I think so. All right, so let's let's move on to our next thing. Um, Gerard, we were talking about. You know, getting you on the show, and 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 you and I started having this conversation, and uh, we wanted to bring it up in a short segment right now about the issue of uh, glory multiplication objectives. So, um, yes, yeah, so this is something. Yeah, we we're talking about this, right? So we think. So one issue. So what what do we mean when we say glory multiplication cards? We mean cards like combo strike and opening gambit and solid gains and great gains. Basically, these typically end phase cards that give you reward for something you have already done during the phase kind of right? like win more cards but exactly not quite so not not quite as strong a, a win more these are kind of like things that reward you for for playing well the old the old um uh superior tactician was an example right of it was then also right? yeah exactly and the problem with these cards so you know they are great whatever but the problem with these cards is that they really they they explode the problem of uh, just you know you do a couple things in your phase in in your in your um, in your activation phase like a temporary you know scoring a temporary victory and all right. of a sudden instead of two glories it turns out to be a five glory move right so that's the kind right. of thing that that's actually what enables the ten glory or eleven glory um, phase by Grimwatch right 
Yeah. Because you get temporary victory, and then you get in the name of the king. You get uh, out of that, basically, you get opening gambit, maybe combo strike, great gains, boom. All of a sudden, you've done one thing, basically, which is getting three guys on objectives, and that ended up being eight glory. Right. And the issue with this is that not only does it make it explosive, but it forces everybody to use them. Like if you look at any of the of the decks that have been winning, you know, large tournaments, they always have these glory multiplication cards. Um, if you don't do it, you're actually putting yourself at a disadvantage. Um, there are um, a few uh, instances in in uh, in the field of biology. Actually, the one one that's uh, comes to mind is called obligate infanticide, and this is when like a like a, a new lion comes in and takes over uh, a pride, they're actually uh, kind of obligated to kill all the little like baby cubs. You guys can look this up if you want to, because if they do that, it brings all the females back into estrus so they can then sire a bunch of children. And if they don't do that, they actually miss out on a generation of their own progeny. So they have to do it basically. And I think that we, this is like a similar situation where Everybody has to put these cards in their deck and it's doing one of those things that, that we all lament, which is where everybody has to make a deck the same way in order to be competitive. Exactly. So that's the, that's, that, that's the downside. I mean, the, the, the bright side of all this is that they're all Nightworld cards. So right. hopefully. Literally all Nightworld cards. So we won't have this problem other... in September. Incidentally, but, uh, I think that's why I actually, for the game, I think it's better aggressive strategy than combo strike for the, for the health of the game, right? Because aggressive strategy rewards you for something that probably has taken two phase. You that's, know, the, that's the five surges in the game? Exactly. So it's something yep. that is more cumulative, right? Combo strike, sometimes you know, you're lucky, you get it, boom, here are the right, yeah. just because you yeah. had two surges in your starting hand, right? Right. So hopefully yeah. maybe this, this explosive... It's basically just, you know, I don't want to call it negative pay experience, but sometimes you feel, oh man, I just lost. How, how often have we had this feeling in the current meta where you feel, man, I just lost the game because this other guy's deck just lined up perfectly. Right. Yeah. And right? we're seeing and, that a lot, actually. Exactly. And I think that that's exactly why this happens, right? Because what we mean by a perfect lineup is exactly this. A couple of surges that get you into combo strike, that get you into great gains, you know, and then all of a sudden... You feel well. This guy did three things, and now I'm like, you know, eight glory behind. Um, yeah, right? eight to zero, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So we got to deal with it for a little bit, little while longer. I, I don't know if it's worth an FAQ. I was sorry, not an FAQ. Uh, going on the restricted list, like putting combo strike on there. Well, it'll putting, just go away. So in a way, maybe they don't. They're just yeah, they're just going to go away eventually anyway. But um, but we're still kind of in a meta where that's a deal. It also really runs up the scores. Yes. You know? I remember, oh. like back in the Shadespire season, like games would be like a like a good game would be like fourteen to ten or you know fifteen yeah, or to twelve or something. Or just, you know. I mean, yeah, I know. And now people are getting like twenty three. Yeah. yeah. Well, the you other know, thing I, is like you know, and it's not really uh, has nothing to do with like a player's skill. Really, it's just kind of like oh, you you could do the, the same the up, exact yeah. same four actions with a different hand and not get. And get, glory exactly. and you only get, get two, two glory, glory instead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's part of the. In part, I think we were talking about this, Max. So in a way, um, I think it's. I mean, for somebody like me, I guess this is completely subjective. It's. I find it more upsetting. I don't. Upsetting is not the word, but I think I, I enjoy myself less 
when I have the feeling that I either won or lost a game because you know the cards came the right order. Right. Then, yeah. then other elements that are also random, frankly, like dice rolls. But you know, these dice rolls allow you to tell funny stories. You see what I mean? Like, oh, I roll a defensive crit at the right point, or the guy rolled it, whatever, right? It's 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 very hard to get. I find it very hard to get excited about the fact that oh look, I played this and calculated the risk. I draw into combination strike, and all of a sudden, and you know, eight to zero. It just you know, it feels somehow anticlimactic. That's that's um, I guess you know, it's completely subjective. Yeah, but I don't like it. Well, I think just to get the discussion going on these things, it was a good thing that we brought it up and started talking about it. Um, all right, so I, I think we're we're good to move on. Um, Gerard, uh, when we have a guest on, uh, we like to let them have a shot at the keys to salvation, which again is a tip that is not necessarily gameplay related. Um, so, uh, and you, uh, we just before we talk about this, we we want to shout out Rowan Sweeney's no grit, no gets no glory article uh, called uh, "Great Fortitude: Managing Expectations and Practicing Self Care." If you haven't gotten a chance to go read it, it's a really great article. Um, and go take a look. Um, so, so Gerard, what, what, what stood out to you about that, that, that we, that we want so to talk I, about in a little bit more detail? It's an article that has, that does, does a few things. And, uh, and I think all of them are interesting. I, I really recommend everybody to go read it. Um, um, so, so you could read it for the, it has an aspect of, again, thinking about what you want to do when you get it into a tournament, etc. But the part that I like the most is the thing about, um, I would call it, you know, emotional, emotional balance right so we all uh, you know we love the game we get invested in the game right and um and sometimes it's hard to keep in mind that you know whatever goal you have the ultimate objective should just simply be to have fun and to be a fun person to play against right that's basically what makes that's what makes communities grow that's what makes you know the game great right um and sometimes you know when we get you know too invested in the game, we can end up not being fun to play against, right? And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody else, right? We all get salty, uh, you know, it's just, you know, I think it's normal to get salty, but it's also good to strive not to, right? Because, it, you know, it's not, um, it's not a nice situation. So I think that the, the, the article made me think about, for instance, um, why do you play what you are playing, right? Is, is, you know, what, what, what do you really want to get out of going to this tournament, right? Do you want to, uh, are you really expecting to win it, and that's why you're taking like a hardcore warband, or uh, are you actually just exploring a new warband? Um, if you're doing the latter, then it's, it really makes no sense to get too upset at the fact that you didn't win, right? Um, Sometimes you just want to see if a, a deck concept actually works. works. Yeah, <laughs> not not necessarily you win every single game, but like you know you put up fifteen, eighteen glory with it or something like that. Exactly. Right. So, so I think it's uh, it's. Um, I, I thought thought it was a very very well thought out um, article, and it had an element that also made me think about myself. Right. So I have I have several flaws, and one of them is that I I just hate playing things that I consider op, whatever that means. You know, um, and and you know I, I think there are good reasons for doing that, and I could list them. You know, I think for instance one of the best things of the game is this process of discovery when you play any warband and try to see what works out. And typically what happens with the very powerful stuff is that somebody else has discovered what's the right way of playing it. And, you know, so that, that kind of takes, um, that actually kind of takes off the fun. I also basically have, I hate mirror matches. And when you play the top stuff, you, you know, yeah, you're you tend to find a lot of mirror matches, right? Because other people are doing the same. I played a mirror I mean, match first round in that tournament. 
Exactly. And even yeah. competitive with the truth is that sometimes you get a little bit of an advantage out of playing a dark horse thing, you know, because people don't know what the thing does. Um, and also, ultimately, the truth is the very good stuff at the top of the meta can actually feel oppressive when you play against it. So on that rule about trying to be a, a fun person to play against, sometimes I feel, you know, you might as well, you know, I'd rather have a close fun game than, some, than blowing somebody out of the table, right? Um, but the article made me think about what would be a very bad reason to actually not take the top stuff, which is what the article, you know, the, the blog talks about self-handicapping, right? A very bad reason not to take the top stuff is to not take teams so that when I lose, I have an excuse to say, well, I lost because, you know, I didn't yeah. take the Don't do stuff. that, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's actually, that, that's a bad reason not to take the top stuff. That's, so that's what I wanted to say. And, you know, not, now that I've read this, I haven't thought about this in this way, but I need to really examine myself, you know. So when I, you know, why do I actually do this, you know? Um, it would be a really bad reason to do that. In other, just for the simple reason that we shouldn't be playing this game to, you know, for it to be a, a sense of, you know, a source of self-worth for us. This literally should be a source of fun. So, yeah. you're, you know, so in a way, it should be completely um, orthogonal to whatever you know, sense of self-worth we're getting out of winning or losing. So that's why it would be a very bad reason to not play, uh, you name it. I guess the boogeymen these days are uh, thorns, ghouls, and course breakers just because what happens if then I go, I lose, and then then I basically learn that I really am not such a great player, you know? Yeah, right. No, I know, because I, I played a, a, a tournament recently where I played, I played Nurgle because we're going to be doing that in our next episode. And uh, I actually started like doing okay with it, and then I lost really bad to to Mike Stennett in the in the finals, and I got really mad because I was going so well. And then all of a sudden, I I ran into him. He's playing Far Striders, and he just dismantled me because Far Strider is actually a kind of a tough matchup to Nurgle. And man, I I, I thought I I thought I had it, and then I just ran into Far Striders, and it just made me feel terrible. And uh, and I had to like I had to catch myself. I had to check myself because I was starting to starting to not be. I was, I was starting to be the, be the crazy guy in the room, and I, I had exactly. to stop. I think yeah. you need to be just always keep in mind that the point here is to have fun and to be fun. Right. Um, and nobody wants to see you know nobody wants to deal with an overly salty um, opponent. So you know sometimes it's hard, but let's try. You know, if if this was what the hex and we were doing, um, and we were doing, uh, you know, recommended listening, we'd have to do. Uh, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. There you go. By, yeah. by Ice Cube. I mean, I think that that's the way to go there. All right, I guys. Think, I think. Uh, well, one second. I just. We I just have, think it's important when you when you go to a tournament. Um, this one of the cool things that the article mentioned is you can try to set goals for yourself for for tournaments or for game nights or for. Yes. any sort of time and you know i think it's healthy to approach some tournaments even even could be most tournaments with the objective is i want to win this tournament you know i i think yeah. that's a healthy perspective for most tournaments you go to but sometimes you know you can just say i want to do better than i did last time you know that could be a goal um say i want to you know win with this warband you know, or I want to play with this warband and get the. I want to, you know, um, have this tournament be, you know, for the people in my my area. So I don't want to necessarily win. You know, I want them to have a good time and maybe somebody else to win. Um, 
you know, and then I, I'll just give you an example. The last tournament that I went to where all three of us were there, um, yeah. where I was bringing my yeah, thorns, I wasn't necessarily, I didn't go in there with the, the intention to win. I went there just playing all these, um, you know, wacky new cards that I don't get to play. You know, a lot of new cards. I'm playing with a lot of new cards, testing a lot of different interactions. Um, I've been testing out my, like, lethal snares thing with the, uh, wow. you know, uncontested or co- which one's better, coveted spoils, uncontested, you know, stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of information, <clears throat> you know, that you can only game, uh, gain through playing with people, you know, essentially random people, you know. In a competitive um, setting. In a competitive yeah. setting, yeah. You know, you can sit there and read the card 20 times, but you won't know, you won't truly, you know, be able to evaluate it until you've played it in games. Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind is that even when you go with the full on, you know, your game, your your game phase, you know, you know, I'm going to go and win this thing. It's always important to keep in mind that this is a game with several layers of randomness, right? So there's the people you draw in the tournament, you might get drawn into a bad matchup, simply. Then there's, you know, there's, there's the ordering of your deck. There's the, there's the initial roles for, uh, to, Board, for books, yeah. which are crucial now. Yeah, the yeah. It used to be, you know, even the starting roles for turns sometimes are basically so game breaking, game, yeah. right? Exactly. So the truth is, if we are honest, you know, against people, you know, with people of similar skill, most of these games at that, uh, you know, as long as there's people with with um, skilled people in tournament, they're going to be 50-50s. Which means that, you know, you're very happy when you win, but you shouldn't be, you know, the Grinch when you lose. You shouldn't think yourself as a... You shouldn't, you shouldn't think of yourself as, you know, oh, oh, I didn't win this time. I must be bad. I must be losing my touch. My deck must be terrible. My warband must be terrible. You know, sometimes... Or, it's or even worse, yeah. start, start bitching openly about how horrible, you know, how lucky you were, and I really wasn't lucky. Yeah. And you see what I mean? It's just, you know, whatever. This is, so, you know, this this is part, again, part of this emotional health that I think that Rowan Sweeney was bringing up in in the game. It's like, you you want to be invested in the game, but you really don't want to make this game uh, too much of a source of self-worth because because it's really not what it's designed to be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's and too it's, many I layers mean, of randomness on it. Exactly. Be, yeah. Well, and on top of that, I mean, like, what are the results of it anyway? I mean, at best, you get a little, you know, this cool acrylic trophy, and that's it. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's I not mean, like we're winning millions of yeah. dollars. It's not like the Incidentally, you know, that's, tournaments that's one reason, or something. Right. If I was asked, I would get rid of this um, of this stupid code thing for the. Oh, the code! Yeah, the we've been cost. talking about that it's, uh, because it's very I feel, silly. you know, it, it, a, it's silly, and b, the only thing that it can do is actually bring even more game cases to local tournaments. Where particularly, what you would like is the local tournament is the place where you get people you play your to fun stuff. Exactly. Yeah, you have fun with you your play friends. Play your fun and stuff, like, and you introduce new people to the game. Exactly. The ideal. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's not really the forum for that. Yeah. Like the super sharp deck with the OP stuff, it's probably not the best way of introducing people to the game. So you know, nobody nobody is happy when they lose like, you know, 18 to 3. And uh, and I'll tell you, I'll I'll stop bringing OP stuff once I get chosen to go. Uh, and then I'll just I'll play cool stuff well, again. You I can't wait. I don't feel bad about it because I feel like it's GW's fault for like doing this in the first place. But like, that's true. I think I am hoping that there has to be some fire coming up to deal with them. Yeah, and they really need to. 
get well, knocked yeah, in. Yeah, and then if, you, if you're at one of these events, you know, talk to the people who, you know, a lot of times the Games Workshop employees come to these big conventions and events. Um, or if you're listening and you go to Warhammer World, you know, talk to them and say, hey, you know, I don't think this this code thing is a, a great idea or you can email them. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. I, I, well, yeah, I think a lot of us agree that it's not the best system. No, um, but, you know, it encourages and noobs. And Games Workshop isn't, you know, a competitive game yeah, no, no. savvy yeah, company, I'm, really. I'm, that you know, I'm they're, they're trying, to, they're willing to try all kinds of different yeah. things. To, to I'm quite impressed to what they've got, to where they've got uh, <laughs> considering where they started even only three years ago. I mean, so, so it is nice. So, I, yeah, it's just that I let me put it the other way. I really like the community in this game. That's why I love going to grand clashes. That's why I love meeting people, etc. And I. Yeah. Um, and I, I am, I'm afraid of anything that might, you know, append this very nice equilibrium that we have going. And that would be one of those, right? When you see, you know, people too invested in the game because now it feels like, you know, things are yeah, somehow yeah. more important. Right? But right. To, to, to Games Workshop's credit, you know, they, the, like I said, they're not a competitive games company. They want to make a competitive game. I think they've done a great job with it. But, you know, they've they've had some struggles in the past. <clears throat> but they've really listened to the community. Yes. Um, you know, on Absolutely. Facebook, online, on uh, you know, or in person and changed the game a lot for the better um by interacting with community members. So very much. I have to give them credit there. All right. Sounds good, guys. We good? Yeah, I'm done. To me. Any more we want to say? No? All right. So okay. Gerard, thanks for coming on, man. Gerard the professor. We've been talking about you for so long and and now here you are, and we appreciate you, uh, you know, doing the uh, Hrothgorn, uh play testing for us and reporting back to us, taking I it love, to tournaments. Are you going to continue losing to me? I think I will. I I'm, I really really enjoy the games with these guys. They are I think close, I will too. They are tight. They are a lot of fun. Again, I I I typically don't lose by a lot, but I don't win by a lot either. These are games that are I love it. And it's it's uh, it's versatile, you know. You, there's several things you can do with every activation. I like it actually. Right, cool. Probably I'm going to be playing this guy until the next Warvans drop, frankly. Yeah, if there's no like you know big event that you're practicing for, I I totally see busting these guys out and and I'm going for it, them. Yeah. yeah. All right. And they so may even happening. you know after when everything comes out, when, you know when the whole season comes out, they may end up being uh, competitive later on. I mean, I they seem like it, they are a little competitive already. I feel like yeah, they, well, they, yeah, they did very well at the Bergman early, yeah. thing early. Uh, it's like, a little early to tell. We had they, what did they get? Sixth in the Prague tournament, and then there isn't another one coming up in Europe for a while. There's a Depticon coming up soon. We'll see if uh, we'll see, if yeah. any Rothgorns make it to the top eight in that one. Well, there was a Bugman's uh, like Friday night skirmish, and there was like something like thirty people there or something like that. And I think Rothgorn was like at least like three or four of the top six. Yeah, although it might have like just because like a lot of people, people were playing, playing, playing them, but, yeah. Yeah. but they were doing well. I mean, it's like they have the tools to do it. it exactly, it, it it has a ton of tools. That's one way of describing it. So, so there should be. I think it's a warband that might be there for a few seasons, being de at least decent because yeah. there are a lot of things they can do. Cool, not OP, pretty yeah. balanced. Not not OP, not, not OP. bad. Definitely not bad at all. No, no, no. And, yeah. uh, no I'd say on the more. cusp of being really good. All right, yeah. cool. All right, so I guess we'll 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 sign off then. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, of course, go on the Facebook site and click like. Uh, go on 
um, Podbean and uh, iTunes and click subscribe. Leave a little message for us. Yeah, That's we're great. On most uh, podcast services now. I don't think. Yeah, we're, we're on we, Spotify we now. Any, let us know, but I think yeah, we're most of them. All right. So uh, sounds good. So Gerard, thank you so much uh, for for joining us. Thanks. Any 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 you. shout outs you want to make before we go? Uh, I think I already named a bunch of the friends back in London and Barcelona. So, you know, you guys know uh, I love you all. All right. Cool. Uh, So signing off, this is Max Bernstein. I'm Randall. And And this was was, the professor. There's Gerard. And we'll see you all next time.